It's Thursday, October 13th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, what's the weather like in New York, and are we going to get the game in today? Well, right now, Joe, I'm looking out my window, and uh, you know, I'm a long way from the Bronx, so I'm not exactly sure where I'm staying here. But, but the weather is clear, a little cloudy, but you know, the forecast say it's going to start raining around noon at, or one. Um, you know, and just talking to Cleveland officials yesterday at the workout at Yankee Stadium, they seem pretty convinced that this game is going to get. Uh, rained out and rescheduled for uh, Friday. And, uh, you know, I, originally I thought, you know, they, I guess they're, they're kicking around some different times, but it sounds like it could be a night game, you know, 7, 7, 7.30 start Friday night if this game does get postponed. Well, if that does happen, uh, that pushes Shane Bieber's uh, appearance to Friday and really cuts down on the uh, possibility uh, actually eliminates the likelihood that uh, he would be able to come back should the the Guardians force a, a game five. Uh, he probably wouldn't be able to come back on short rest and, and pitch in that game five. Uh, not that that would be the ideal situation, but it, it forces Cleveland to maybe go to a, a starter who's been on the shelf in, uh, you know, for a longer time, and that's Aaron Savali. Yes, Savali would probably probably, you know, it, right now he would be in line if if uh if uh Cleveland wins one of the the next two games, you know, he would probably pitch game 4 uh on Sunday, uh you know, with uh you, you know, with a chance perhaps to uh, send a game back to uh send the series back to New York and you know, Savali got skipped in the wild card uh series. He was he wasn't on the roster. But the idea was always to have him available to start. You know, ideally it would have been on Tuesday uh, with game one. But uh, I guess, well, maybe not ideally because Cleveland swept the wild card, which meant, you know, Quantrill could start game one. And Savali got kind of pushed back into rotation. Yeah, I think it was the I- ideal situation that they were looking for with with getting out of the wild card uh, after just two games and, and preserving Cal Quantrill. Uh, going with him, it, it it's pretty much the home field advantage or the uh, the the earning the buy advantage that New York got uh, be, being one of those top two seeds and and having to wait through the the wild card round was that they got to set their their pitching rotation for the first game of the division series as opposed to having to set it for the first game of the wild card series, and and now Cleveland's playing catch up, basically they're. If if the series gets extended, they're going to be able to use their ace, Garrett Cole, more than one time in the series, whereas Cleveland will only be able to use Shane Bieber one time in the series, and that's that's either tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, right, exactly. And, uh, you know, Cole could go, what, I guess he could go, he's, he, he beat him on Tuesday night in game one. He could come back, what, I mean, on short rest, yeah, on Sunday on short rest or Monday on full rest, right? So if if this series goes five games, so you know they're kind of playing with house money here, and and uh, with the way Cole has dominated uh, Cleveland, I would imagine they're feeling pretty good in that Yankee dugout. Yeah, uh, is but you've got Shane Bieber going hopefully tonight. If you're Cleveland, maybe you. Maybe you don't want to see them try to play the game tonight and just, you know, bang it early uh, and say, let's just try Friday. Because if 
they do try to start the game and and Shane Bieber goes short uh, or or the game gets you know delayed or interrupted, you know you would lose your 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 possibility for for Bieber going deep into a game. Uh, we saw him go seven innings plus in in the wild card round. Uh, you know this is this is what you're looking for out of out of this guy. He's he's coming back. He's got a lot to prove against the Yankees. Uh, you want to give him every opportunity to go deep into a game as you can. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't think yeah, if I would think uh, that would be the major reason why they would you know postpone this thing early today if 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 the if the weather report is you know is is poor that you wouldn't you know either team Bieber or the Yankees wouldn't lose a uh, uh, Nestor Cortez the uh, Cleveland wouldn't lose Bieber you know they wouldn't start it and then have to postpone it after what four or five innings. Yeah, the last thing the Yankees want to do is have their starter, uh, you know, start a game, then a rain delay, and then they have to come back and piece together five, six innings with a bullpen and that that they know that they don't have a lot of confidence in. So I think if uh, all things being equal, the, the Yankees are going to want to push that game to Friday, and it's probably not the worst idea for Cleveland if that happens. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it gives you uh, you know a clear ru- uh, runway for Bieber to go deep into the game, and pr- m- probably Cleveland's best chance to uh, you know kind of extend this series. Uh, you know, you got your best guy on the mound, like uh, Stephen Kwan said, Bieber is our dog, and uh, when we go when he goes out there, we feel we have a a, a big a good chance to win. And, uh, you know, they need it. They need to to steal a win here in this in these two games, Joe, even though it, it seems like we've been in New York for a long, long time. But they they need to get out of here with at least one win here. Well, uh, you got a chance to talk to Bieber. Uh, the media got a chance to, to meet with him on uh, Wednesday after the workout. Uh, what was the the mood? I, I, I guess, uh, you know, Bieber at this point of the season has earned his amateur uh meteorologist degree uh he's he's he has been affected by weather and his starts have been affected by weather more than any other starting pitcher in Cleveland's rotation this year it seems like uh you know at least once a homestand he was getting bumped for uh you know the threat of rain or or potential for that you know he started game one of a of a a rain out doubleheader more times than I can remember What's Bieber's attitude and approach to all of this, uh, you know, sort of uncertainty and and has it made him maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, a better, more more veteran, more more mentally strong having to get through all of these kind of things uh, multiple times this year? Yeah, uh, def- I think it has, you know, it's kind of uh, I think he's he's gotten used to it, Joe. Uh, I really do. Um you know, a long time ago, when I first uh, started covering the Indians, there was a guy uh, named Mike Jeffcoat, and uh, he he kind of ran into the same kind of problems uh, that uh, that Bieber's run into with the weather. I mean, he was he got rained out so many times they call them raincoat instead of Jeffcoat, and I don't know <laughs> if the, I don't know if there's a, a a synonym for Bieber, you know, with uh, with the rain. But I think he, you you summed it up pretty good. He's uh, you know Wally Canan, the weatherman, uh, when when it comes to uh, rain. I think he you know I think he's gotten used to it. I don't think it, he likes it. But he's learned how to, you know, kind of roll with the punches and adapt to it. And, you know, he talked about that a little bit yesterday. 
can can the extra uh, uh, he is such a creature of routine and and he likes to stay on on regular rest and you know he's he's effective when he's on regular rest can the extra day of rest hurt him more than it could help him uh you you would think you know an, an extra day to sort of uh you know build up or, or or feel you know a little stronger would would help but uh you know these guys like their routines and when they're not pitching on that fifth day they're they, they sort of get itchy yeah they do and uh, like you said they're creatures of habit uh but i think you know an extra day at this time of the year after a long season what he made 30 32 starts pitched 200 innings i don't think that's going to hurt him you know, and I think, uh, you know, he's, he's, it's not like he's a rookie. He's been through these things before. Uh, you know, he's had pitched on five and six days rest. Uh, so he knows how to adjust. I don't think it'll hurt him. Well, that's, uh, that's definitely, uh, you know, good to, to sort of, uh, you know, think about, uh, you know, Beaver being at his, at full strength and being, you know, at his best, uh, even if he's got an extra day. Uh, the bullpen actually could benefit from this. You, you get back a guy like a, a James Karinchak who pitched on uh, in, in Tuesday's game, and you get a, a, a Trevor Steffen with you know t- a couple of extra days rest there. Uh, the, the bullpen should be at, at full go then uh, if this game is played on Friday. Yeah, definitely, Joe. It, it was interesting uh, the way uh, Francona used his bullpen on Monday. I thought you know with the knowledge that. No, I'm I'm sorry. On Tuesday for Game One, with the knowledge that you know you had Wednesday off, and perhaps you know we're we're you know had uh, you know today off or, or uh, Thursday off with the rain out, because you know he was saying you know, when he's handling a bullpen, you don't like to chase a win, you know, and which I think interpreted from uh, Tito talk, I think means you know if you're trailing in a game, you don't. You, it, you don't necessarily want to use your kind of the A side of your bullpen uh, unless, you know, if you're playing the, the very next day. But it, as you saw in, in that game, in game one, he went, you know, after Quantrill left after five innings, he went with Stefan, you know, Aniel uh, De Los Santos and Karinchek, you know, he trying to, you know, get, you know, keep the score where it was and maybe, you know, pull a win out of, you know, wrap it out of the hat with a, with a win late with the knowledge that you know you, you he was off yet wednesday and perhaps thursday off so uh, that that was kind of and i think you know with those two off days right now you that all those guys you know the the best part of that bullpen is really going to be rested and ready to go yeah the only one that we're surprised didn't pitch in that game on tuesday might have been uh emmanuel classe i think it's uh, we, we got into that stretch there of uh, the, the nine game homestand at the end of the year, and we saw how often he was rolling uh, uh, Emmanuel Classe out, and we're wondering why he was pitching so much at the end of the season. Uh, it, you know, it, it just could be to keep him sharp, but uh, Classe didn't pitch on Tuesday. You got to imagine he's going to pitch at some point in, in game two, whether it's tonight or tomorrow. Uh, even if they're trailing at some point, he he's got to get in that game just uh, just to make an appearance and and get uh, uh, you know get an inning in there at some point. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Joe. Because you're right. You know, obviously this guy made more. You know, tied uh, uh, tied uh, with who? Uh, I mean, he tied for the major league lead in appearances with uh, 77 during the regular season. He's used to working a lot. Led the big leagues with saves. So yeah, this guy, um, I would, I would be stunned if we don't see him tonight or tomorrow. 
Uh, you guys did get a chance to talk to Andres Jimenez. Uh, he had a double in game one, uh, but, you know, like many of the other Guardians uh, hitters, found it a uh, pretty tough go against Garrett Cole in that first game. What did you uh, what did you learn from Andres Jimenez about his approach to the American League Division Series? Yeah, I, I asked Andres, you know, just, uh, and we've talked, we've kicked this idea around, Joe, um, you know, that obviously the pitching, you know, kind of goes up a level in the postseason. And um, I asked him if that makes Cleveland's approach to offense, you know, by the, the an offense predicated on stringing five, six hits together, you know, getting some walks, you know, uh, as opposed to hitting the, hitting the home run, if that was more difficult in the postseason. But he didn't agree. He thought, you know, you can't change you can't change your approach. You know, sometimes luck figures into this, and if uh, you know, you just have to keep you know basically doing what you've done all season. And uh, we'll see. You know, and and it made sense. I thought that that's how he would answer that question. But uh, you know, he's one of the guys that you know kind of really carried. Cleveland during the regular season and it's it's such a short span you know we've only they've only played three games in the postseason but these you know timing is everything and you, you if you're not hot in the postseason it really kind of puts uh puts you under the microscope yeah and and the way that he <clears throat> sort of carried the bottom part of that lineup you know where whether he was batting fifth sixth seventh uh you know during the season uh, it, it, it sort of extended the lineup when when they were hot and they were able to turn things over and get back to, uh, you know, Quan Rosario Ramirez in the top of the order. It was usually an inning started by something that that Andres Jimenez did. And, you know, you couldn't argue, uh, you know, in June, July, August, you couldn't argue against Jimenez being one of the hottest hitters in, in baseball uh, from the seventh inning on. It, it seemed like he was always coming up with. Uh, big hits during rallies and, you know, home runs late and uh, just a, a guy that who's bat that they really need to to sort of not disappear in in this situation at this point in the season. He's he's a real key to that offense. And, you know, regardless of what he does defensively, I think he gives you, uh, you know, your best chance to win no matter what at, at second base defensively. But uh, it, it, like you said, it, just to continue doing what they've been doing, uh, to keep that same approach, you know, we've heard Tito say, you know, we can't ask them to change who they are at this point. Uh, you know, maybe maybe some of that running game comes into effect. You know, Jimenez is is probably one of the best bunners on the team. You know, maybe you get that Yankees uh, infield defense moving a little bit and, and see if you can, uh, you know, make plays that way. But uh, you, you're right. Uh, this is it, it's not a surprise to hear Jimenez say that. It's just. Uh, you know, if that's the way it's going to go, then they, they better be productive uh, trying to do it. Yeah, he is, you know, like you said, he's like uh, the link. He's a, an important link to linking that bottom of the lineup to the top of the lineup. And when he's not hitting, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it kind of gets a little sparse at the bottom, the bottom three spots. You know, uh, what, they had Brennan, Hedges, and Straw in, in game one. And uh, what Straw had, they had, that produced one hit with a straw, you know, straw with a single, an infield single. So, you know, it's, uh, they've got to do better than that if, you, if you're going to beat the Yankees. What did, uh, what did Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan say about the Yankee fans in the stands 
uh, giving them a hard time basically throughout all of game one. Yeah, that that was that was that was interesting, Joe. Uh, you know, before the before the game, you know, uh, Terry Francona uh, had his uh, had his press conference with the media, and he said, you know, hey, this is this is uh, the biggest stage in baseball. You know, when when you play the Yankees, you're the only show in town, uh, and you expect fans to uh, to get on you. It's it's like a badge of honor, and that message, you know. Straw and uh, Quan didn't repeat it word for word, but you could tell either, you know, Francona had talked to him or they had been listening. You know, they had been good listeners because they both said that they had a great time with it. They enjoyed it. It was a privilege getting, 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 you know, uh, getting yelled at and booed by over 47,000 fans, Uh, you know, and uh, Straw said, you know, that, uh, you know, they kept their hands to themselves. They didn't throw stuff at me. Uh, it was it was verbal, but that was but that's okay. And uh, Quan kind of came prepared. He was wearing the pitchcom uh, device in his cap, so that was uh, blasting in his ear. And that was you know he couldn't hear. He that that kept the the crowd noise to a I guess to a a, a, a medium you know a medium roar. So he said he couldn't pick up any individual uh, chants. Yeah, I, I remember back to when, uh, you know, when we were doing podcasts about the incident that, that happened back in April. And, you know, there was culpability, uh, certainly on both sides in terms of, uh, you know, the fans, you, you never throw things, you never, you know, threaten or, uh, you know, get personal with a, a player the way that they were uh, and, and hurling insults at Stephen Kwan. Uh, by the same token, if you're Miles Straw, you can't climb the fence and, and go into the stands the way that he did. Uh, but but you sort of understand why he did what he did. Uh, you know, fast forward to it's October. The, the certainly the the stakes have changed. The the circumstances have changed. I've I've got to imagine that uh, Yankee Stadium security is more aware of the situation and and the fans themselves. I, I mean, they 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 took a black eye that day. The Yankee fans did. And you know, there's a a, a bit of uh, a bit of truth to what um, you know Miles Straw said after that incident and you know these these, in a lot of cases these yankee fans are are entitled and they're uh you know they're they sort of have this sense of you know uh that they they deserve to be able to do what they did uh i don't know i i just think um when you cross the line when you say some things that are you know uh, insensitive in a in sort of a racial way or uh, you attack a, a a player's family, or you know, threaten him physically himself. Uh, that crosses the line. There's no place for that, and certainly throwing things onto the field would would be a, a huge no. Uh, but other than that, it, the it, it's part of the the fun of the the playoffs. You've got to, you know, giving a guy a hard time, giving an outfielder a hard time is sort of part of baseball. Um, so it's good that that. The Guardians were were prepared for it. Were were mentally, you know, sort of uh, put on their armor when they needed to, and and got through it. Uh, I'm sure as as they get further away from the incident and, and more games under their belt, there uh, it'll be less and less. But uh, certainly expect the the Yankee fans to to boo Miles Straw again based on his comments. Uh, you know that that's only natural. Uh, the, the good thing is, you know, hey, you win tonight and you win two in Cleveland and. And you don't have to come back to Yankee Stadium until next year. 
<laughs> Definitely. The guy, out of that incident, Joe, I know we've we've kind of, you know, beaten it here, but uh, the thing, the guy I felt most sorry for was Quan. I mean, all Quan did was run into the outfield fence and kind of stun himself. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. The guy is like knocks the wind out of himself, you know, cuts himself on the chin. He's kind of sitting there stunned. And all of a sudden, he's public enemy number one in, in New York. And I think that probably has probably more to do with the success he had during the regular season and the player he's become. Yeah, uh, you know, it, from that from that incident was born the legend of Stephen Kwan, I guess. And, uh, you know, always a, a positive thing to, to see. Uh, always good to see a positive come out of it uh, the way he played the, the remainder of the season. So, yeah, uh, it, it just got to keep track and, and got to keep your eye on it in terms of, you know, knowing they're out there. But, uh, you know, no harm, no foul in game one. So let's uh, let's play on. Uh, Hoinsey, we will have updates uh, as soon as we know it about whether or not game two is going to take place today or tomorrow. Uh, so far, no word, but uh, I'm sure a, a decision is coming at some point this afternoon. Uh, and as soon as we have it, uh, we'll, we'll push it out on our subtext to our subscribers uh, and, and post it on Cleveland.com. Uh, until then, uh, you know, keep uh, keep letting us know what's what's going on in New York, and we'll we'll wait to see you back here for Game Three on Saturday. Okay, Joe. Good deal, man. <laughs>